Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles, please, I want to encourage you, you can open them up there. As always, we'll have um, the, the, the scriptures on the screen, though, for you. But Galatians 5 has really been for the last nine weeks, everybody. If this is your first time, welcome to the end of our series called Fruition. We've been looking at the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, another way of framing it is, The nine characteristics of those who are following Jesus and walking with the Holy Spirit. Not not just people who, if you will, claim Christianity, but those who are doing and have done the deep work that God does in each one of us, transforming us into his likeness. So Paul writes to this church in Galatia to kind of answer, if you will, some questions like, what what does a follower of Christ look like? We know what, for them, we know what it looks like to not follow Jesus, like Paul even lists those acts. He said they're really obvious, and there are a few verses before the verses we are using in this series. But Paul Paul lays it out. He he begins to kind of paint a portrait, and I think deep down you know you were wired for these. Deep down, you know, um, you've had experiences when these nine characteristics have not been on the scene, and you know, not only did it not feel right, it, it, it just quite honestly was wrong. It was absent of maybe justice, or absent of mercy, or absent of goodness. And so Paul, Galatians 5, he writes, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and today's theme, direction, self-control. Self-control. Paul boldly writes, against such things, there is no law. Basically, if we're led by the love of Christ... We've been transformed into his likeness and, and are walking with him daily. Said Paul's like, trust, trust, trust God. Trust God that you can live whole, you can live loved, and you can operate with these characteristics in your life. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you've probably experienced moments of unlove or hate. Or unjoy, unpeace, lack of peace, a lack of patience, a lack of kindness, a lack of goodness, a lack of faithfulness. Maybe you've operated in some of these ways, and that's okay. Paul is well aware that it's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take some moments, some experiences, but God will be faithful to transform us into his likeness. And he ends with this phrase, self-control, self-control. Self-control, if you'll give me just a minute here to to lay a bit of a foundation, it's going to sound really obvious, but I think it'll be helpful in our discussion today. Self-control is a limit, I want you to think about this, a limit or boundary we've created for our greater good and the greater good of others. I want you to think about that. So it's it's a way we have limited, or it's a boundary we've created for our greater good and the greater good of others. I thought, about, I thought about some real practical ones. I'm not trying to be painful this morning, so please, your grace, thank you for it. But some self-control limits we put on. Diet. A diet is a form 
of self-control? Aren't you grateful for apps on your iPhone that come alongside to assist, you know, to, to, to go off and to remind you, hey, you have reached your calorie limit. And you're like, with breakfast? Really? <laughs> you know, I, I, y'all are ahead of, it, uh, uh, ahead of me in that. But, but diet's a, fo- a form of self-control. It really is. Uh, uh, exercise, or the lack of exercise, is, is a, a bit of a byproduct of, of, of self-control. Maybe limiting the amount of sweets or alcohol one has, that's a, that's a helpful it's a helpful form of self-control, not too much television, if there is such a thing. No, I'm kidding. But seriously, not, not too much television. We have, I don't know if you're familiar with this. I was astounded a couple years ago on my iPhone. I could find out um, um, how much uh, time was spent on the phone. And it, it, it is terrifying. It is terrifying at first. Well, no, two years later, it's still terrifying. It's like, no way. There's just no way. But self-control, it's, it's there. It's in our lives. And, and I want to tell you, sometimes with these fruit of the Spirit, when we think about them, we typically can, can maybe think, ah, I just never measure up. I don't add up. Listen, don't approach the fruit of the Spirit with that sort of mindset. These are understood. Paul would tell you these are understood. They are the fruit of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit produces them within us. What we do, our role is to partner with Him. But but self-control will continue. You're familiar with a budget? Or let me say this, if you're unfamiliar with a budget, Google budget. All right, I want to encourage you. You you may not know. You're getting a lot of of good good information today. But a budget is a way of of self-control, right? And here, let's use budget. It could be the same for diet or exercise, or intentional community involvement, really anything that helps cause a direction to the outcome we want. Right, so if you're, you're dieting, nobody's dieting and says, you know what, I didn't, it doesn't matter what I weigh, I just want to diet to diet. You would, you know, look at them confused, like what do you, who diets to diet? Like what's your problem? You know, no, nah, I just exercise to exercise. I guess you could do that. But you don't just budget to budget. You budget in order to make your ends meet, maybe initially, but then beyond that, to save for a future. So it's an intentional action you take. You're providing, if you will, some control in limiting your resources for a greater cause or a greater good, an outcome that you're hoping for. That's self-control, and self-control helps all of us. It grows all of us. It has positive influence in our life. But self-control alone is not what Paul is speaking of. He doesn't come with an American or a Western civilization mindset when he's thinking about self-control. No, Paul is writing to people who were dead and have been raised to life in Christ. People who gave themselves over to their feelings People that were influenced by whatever felt good in the moment or felt good in the day. And Paul is letting them know, woohoo, that leads to death and destruction. Since you've trusted and given your life and your life's direction to King Jesus, yo, 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 he's calling for a Holy Spirit led self control. Because you can get on 
any form of social media. You can go to great leadership conferences. You can read some awesome books that are going to help anybody despite your spirituality or relationship with Christ. That will help you in the arena of self-control. But Paul is strategically placing within them and coming alongside them and informing them. This is a Holy Spirit-led self-control. I have here, I listed, Holy Spirit self-control is obedience to limits and boundaries laid out by God for our own good and well-being. That was so good, I'm going to read it again. It's obedience to limits. Everybody say the word limits. Limits. Come on, yell it out. Limit me. Say it. Say it. God, limit me. All right. One faithful in the crowd. No, I'm kidding. It's obedience to limits and boundaries. Come on. We're humans. We love limits and boundaries, don't we? I mean, does anybody remember Genesis 1? It's like Adam and Eve. Oh, don't eat this tree. When you say that, all they can think about is, I have to eat that tree. You know, it's like, we don't do well. You're in familiar ground if you don't do well with limits and boundaries. But Paul's saying, it's obedience to limits and boundaries laid out, here it is, here it is, by God. That's relational, relational direction with your heavenly Father. Not laid out by religion. Not laid out by religiosity despite how well-intentioned it may be, but it's obedience to limits and boundaries laid out by God, here it is, for our own good and well-being, as well as the good and well-being of others, and ultimately for His glory. That's the self-control that Paul is inviting us into. That's what he's calling us forward to. Not in our own strength, but through relationship with the Lord, through that daily, let me say that, that daily yielding, that daily submitting can be a moment right after you've hit snooze on your alarm. Just, I guess I'm getting up now. It can be right there in that moment. Lord, I give you my day. Father, help my heart to submit and surrender to your word, to your way. Something simple. It doesn't, you don't have to spend six hours, though that's a blessing. It can be six T seconds, one minute, just Lord a yielding. And slowly but surely, I want to I just let you know, man, God is faithful to transform us. And, and he will lead us. The self-control doesn't have to be intimidating. We don't have to keep it at a distance. But we can step into it. Step into it in our relationship with God. I think of it as guardrails. You familiar? Some of you, maybe <clears throat> some of us, are more grateful with guardrails on the road than others. Um, but guardrails along the road of life is, is one image that could be helpful. Self-control, spirit-influenced self-control, it keeps us on God's way for living. And it really requires... Humility. I'm, 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 I'm thinking about this. I, I, believe it or not, I actually think about my sermons. And I'm thinking about this. But it really requires humility. You know what a humble heart before the Lord would say? It says yes to God's way of doing things. It, 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 it's not perfect, but it's humble. 
Pride is the opposite. Amen? Pride is, I know better. We've all done it. We all still wrestle with this. Pride is, I know better. God, I see your ways in your word. I maybe sense your ways, God. I, I, I hear your nudges, but nah, not so much. Paul, would you X, Y, Z? Not so much, right? If we're not careful, our pride leads us to believe we know better. Familiar with the ways of culture, the climate our culture is in right now, it's pride heavy. It's pride heavy, and I don't say that. I love, I'm asking the Lord to redeem our culture, but in many aspects, it's put pride. It's, it's I know what's best for me. And if you've ever looked at the Bible narrative, or shoot, don't even look at the Bible narrative. Just look at world history. It is that humans have a tendency not to know what is best for them. Despite, despite the title before their name. A lot of times, they, they don't know. It's, it's, it's pride, and God calls us into humility. And So self-control, really, it, it, it's an invitation. Hey, will you walk the humble way? Can you follow these guardrails that God has set up? And this is not new. God has done this with his people from the very beginning. It started simple, but it had to get a little more defined because us human beings are complicated beings. At first, Genesis 1, don't eat this tree. Uh, you sure? Looks pretty tasty. We're, we're deceived. We're deceived. And so some of, the, some of the lines get drawn a little more complex as the scriptures continue. But it's nothing new. There's, there's here I have this, God's gracious gifts of limits and boundaries. Can we bring that up? That slide, God's gracious gifts of limits and boundaries. There, there are four of them here as you look in your Bible, as you um, can, can see this perspective. Old Testament, the Torah, first five books of the Bible were crucial, crucial to any faithful Jew, any faithful Israelite in living within the premise of God's kind, gracious, good kingdom. He was setting up for them a society different than all the neighboring nations. All the neighboring nations were polytheistic. They had tons of gods. They worshipped the earth. They worshipped the stars. They worshipped the sun. Everything they worshipped. They worshipped self. They worshipped the body. God called Israel out of Egypt and leading them to set up a society where they serve and worship God as the one true and only living God. So the Old Testament Torah, not only that, the Old Testament wisdom, literature, Proverbs is profoundly helpful. It's wise. New Testament, we get the words of Jesus. I put a little asterisk there. That, not as a footnote like I need to explain it, but for me, that's top priority. Jesus said it, and it's in the Gospels, his way of treating others, his way of uh, hearing what the Father said and obeying. Man, that's what our call is. That's our way. And then, of course, Paul's way through letters and writing to us. These are all, if we can see them, a gracious gifts of limits and boundaries. For me, John 10.10 10 is very helpful when it comes to understanding self-control. Jesus 
with the audience before him, and you can imagine his close disciples. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So just think about that. His tactics, his premise, steal, kill, destroy. You ever confused about the enemy and his uh, uh, direction towards you? Oh, he's just trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Thank you for that encouragement. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and life abundant. It's a reference to Eden. I've come to redeem and restore what your sin cycles, the brokenness. I've come to redeem that and restore that. And one of the ways God does that is he lovingly invites us to staying in step with his spirit. And staying in step with his spirit provides that self-control that we need. And so he, he, we, we can see a couple more passages for you. And this is how it's, it's laid out. Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20. This is Moses at the end of his days. Israel's about to step into the promised land. And he writes this. He says, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, obey him, and hold fast to him. For he is your life, and he will prolong your life in the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Choose life. First Corinthians, Paul's writing to a church that's very, very similar in ways to uh, the church's not just, you know, big church globally, the Corinthian church. And Paul writes, he says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. Love that thought. You are not your own. And Jesus invites us into eternal life here now. One good way we can understand that is his limits and boundaries are a blessing. As a teenager, I wasn't so sure, right? I wasn't always quite sure that God had my best interests in mind because it sure didn't feel that way when my flesh and desires were wanting or desiring other things. But with a little bit of hindsight, a little bit of that 2020 vision that we call, right? Hindsight is always 2020. I've recognized God's word, even the very Ten Commandments themselves, and the truth of Scripture and the hope of Scripture, it's not to confine us. It's not to confine us. It's to lead us into the abundant life that Christ has given us. Really has. It's, it's to lead us <clears throat> to treat one another in such a way. You see, self-control isn't just only about the self. Self-control has a direct influence on the lives of those closest to us, the lives of the mission field we step into throughout the week. Have you thought about that? That one of the lies and the tactics of the evil one is that your sin cycle is just influencing you. 
nothing could be farther from the truth. A sin cycle unchecked, unrepented, unconfessed before the Lord leads to death and destruction. That there are uh, children, there are spouses, there are human beings scattered throughout this community globally. That if you were to go to the one that caused them the most hurt, the most pain, abuse, neglect, if you were to go interview the one who did that, they would probably deep down say, I just thought it was affecting me. It's one of the greatest lies the enemy, the deceiver, whispers to our soul. Hey, 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 do this. You'll be like God. Do this, you'll, you'll, you'll be like God. Do this, 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 this is, and you'll be like God, or you'll feel fulfilled. The cultural climate that we live in, man, it is loud, and it is heavily layered, and it is inviting you and me on a daily basis to trust in idols. We live in a culture, we're not going to do a, a, a hey, Yell back to me the idols of our culture. I've already done some research. I have them for you. You're welcome. But, but I think about culturally, you could just spend 30 minutes like I did analyzing commercials during college football yesterday and recognize, man, they sure do promote the self a whole lot. It's all about the self. The self as an end. The self as a means. The self, the self. Think about some of the idols that our culture promotes from money. Man, money, money, money. God invites us, right? God invites us to live generously. He didn't set up the tithe, right? He didn't set up the tithe as a, you know, hey, how can I annoy people financially? How, how can I stress them out and just, just deter them from generosity? No, 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 no. It's, it's a gift. It's a test, but it's, it's a test of the finances, right? Because let's be honest, God doesn't need money. He doesn't need our money. But he wants our hearts. And he knows that ain't nothing like the money get in on our hearts. And so the idols, right? The idols, they could be the self. They could be the finances. They can be sex or sexuality. We live in a culture that identifies themselves first and foremost sexually. Man, that's some kind of messed up. It's nowhere in the scriptures. Nowhere in the scriptures. We embrace our God-given identity we're able to walk in that. What the enemy does, the enemy does when there's a lack of self-control or nobody sees any purpose in self-control, the enemy confuses. He confuses culture. And in case you haven't checked lately, culture's confused. That is the end game of the idols of the culture. And so he sets us up. Think about this. He sets you and me up as a witness to the goodness of God to the kindness of God, to the peace of God, to the patience of God, to the gentleness of God. We don't stress, we don't fret, we don't panic. We're at peace. Because why? Because we're staying in step with the Spirit. Y'all are way too quiet for how good my preaching is. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Like that is some good preaching. Is it not? Let me check the guys in the back. That's good. That's some good preaching. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to lead us to finish well, myself included. <laughs> because, you know, not everybody finishes well. 
not everybody finishes well. You know, there's a Chinese pastor. You know, as much as I quote this quote I'm about to share, I ought to get his name. Maybe I will. But it was at a, years ago at a passion conference for church leaders. It was called like Thirst or Thirsty. I don't know. It was 20 years ago. Whatever. Well, the lady was preaching on prayer. And it was back before things were digital. I remember listening to the CD. And it was very influential, but I left with this quote. She quoted a Chinese pastor. And he said, the, the church in the West, the church in the West emphasizes starting well. But God is asking for the church to finish well. We do, don't we? We do. We got baptisms next. Not that that's the starting place, but we're excited to celebrate, man. Giving your heart to Jesus is the starting place. We throw parties, right? We know the angels are throwing parties. How many of you know? Woohoo! That, that, that's the jam. The lost being found, we know the importance of that decision. But man, God didn't just die. Hey, here's a ticket. Take your ticket, tuck it away, and just, you know, be. No, 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 no. He invites us into stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Walk in his ways. Submit. Yield. As you stay in step with the Spirit, not overnight, but slowly but surely, here's the beautiful thing. This fruit begins to be identified in us. That there's just some things culture begins to come aware of. The earliest church, right? So we're talking the generation after the apostles. The early, 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 super early, ancient church. No buildings. No buildings. Underground. Underground. Literally, catacombs. You can visit them in Rome. I have. They grew like wildfire. Persecuted. They didn't have the wind at their back every moment of the day. But they were renowned for, for monotheism. They knew who their king was. They knew who their God was. They knew who he was and the faithfulness that he invited them into. They knew what grace looked like. In fact, one emperor is quoted as saying, Who, who are these Christians? They take better care of the poor than Rome does. It's remarkable. Their care for their community, their willingness to serve and love and be generous was striking as a witness. And here's what's remarkable. We gather around a day like today. Countdown's on. We're getting ready. We're getting ready. We're getting ready. Worship's on. We're standing up. We're lifting hands. We're clapping. And we're not singing about Rome. We're not singing about a Caesar. We're welcoming the king. Guess what? The king is King Jesus. And we get that message, we get that life, we get his spirit living on the inside. We get to stay in step with it. Well, why do we get to? Because he changed everything. And for 2,000 years, a people has been faithful to the message and the mission of Jesus. They've not been limited by feelings. They've not been limited, though pride has got some of us some days. It hasn't always got us. Because we humble ourselves before the Lord. We repent. We confess. We pivot. And here's what's the beautiful thing is. Over time, that witness is carried forth 
from generation to generation to generation to generation. It's a beautiful, beautiful, the mission of God in and over our lives. I can tell the way some of you are looking at me, you want one more scripture. Okay, okay, okay. I see your faces. I've got one more passage. This time I've talked enough about Paul. It's time to talk about Peter, just briefly here. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 9. It's got a little nuance like the fruit of the Spirit. But 2 Peter, for this very reason, make every effort, effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But as a good pastor, Peter knows where your toes are, and he's coming for them rapidly. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Not that we need these definitions, but nearsighted, seeing distinctly at a short distance only. Nearsighted, blind, simply unable to see. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Self-control was a cry of Peter's heart. Second Peter, first and second Peter are distinctly written to persecuted churches on the outer rim of the kingdom of Rome. Under severe persecution, he invites them in to the mystery, the message, the mission of God. And he says, Don't be nearsighted. Don't be nearsighted. Self-control propels us into the distance. That we may be a people, we may be individuals, we may be families, we may be a church that finishes well. Amen? That relationally, in our walk with God, I want to encourage you today, as you think about this, as you pray through this, ask the Lord. Don't, don't think, well, I've got to muster it up again. No, get on your knees. Lord, help me with self-control. My desires, my passions, the commercials, all of the voices of culture are not really setting me up. So, Lord, help me in this arena of life. Amen? We'd be a people full of self-control, disciplined, focused, persevering, receiving, <clears throat> daily receiving, amen, that fullness of the Holy Spirit. A couple things about the Holy Spirit. You want the Holy Spirit in your life, nothing to be afraid of. Okay, check one. Check two. It's not a one-off moment. It's a movement we're called to live in. I know several charismatics and uh, uh, some people with a Pentecostal background, they emphasize a one-off moment. Nothing could be further from the truth. The language Paul uses in the New Testament letters, I'll put it to you this way, is be being filled. Life leaks. Life leaks. So it's not that you're, you're like a gasoline tank that keeps getting empty. 
That's probably the wrong image. But it's a perpetual, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Why? For the empowering of the works of ministry. You may be here today like, dude, I love Jesus, I love God, but I've never prayed to be filled and be overcome with the Holy Spirit and empowered for ministry. Could be, I'm not proposing it is, but it could be part of the struggle with some of the fruit of the Spirit. You're not asking for the fullness of God. You're not yielding, surrendering, submitting your ways to Him. Like if we start our day me first, we shouldn't be surprised at the me first fruit we're living in. Amen? But if we can start our day, Lord, just fill my cup. I come to you today. Fill me with your spirit. Give me the strength. Help me to treat people like Jesus. Help me to speak to people like Jesus. Help me to treat my workplace like Jesus. Fill me with your spirit, God. Amen. We start the day like that. Don't be surprised. People start falling over with your kindness. Start scratching your head at your generosity. Man, what you doing bringing us all coffee in here? Who do you think you are? Jesus first. No, I'm just, but I mean it. I mean it. I mean it. <laughs> You're allowed to show off a little bit in the workplace. It's okay. Be that Christian. Just don't be that Christian every day, okay? You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. We're landing. We're ending. We're praying. 